welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Week two in the books. Back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons. Um, we are we don't have any elongated uh, weeks. We have everything done. It felt nice, Barton, on Sunday night as I was compiling all of my notes from the day, consuming football from coast to coast. And, of course, uh, that was about Sunday at about 3 o'clock Eastern time because Washington State and Boise State went to triple overtime. Shout out to Pac-12 after dark. Um, I... I, I felt good. I felt like there was some finality to it. Um, what's, uh, we've got, here's the deal. We're going to give out some awards from week two. We've got, again, some of our, our hot takes, our takes that might be too hot. Barton, how are we feeling, man? You know, I'm glad the weekend's over, Chip, because I, I didn't appreciate the way college football did me on Saturday night. Just throwing <laughs> all those games at me. Uh, you know, I was up till like 1 a.m. last night, like watching some of the games that I wasn't able to fully consume on Saturday night. Uh, they don't need to do that to me again. You know, let's get a game at 11 a.m., a good game at 2.30, um, you know, maybe one really good one at 6, and then a big Pac-12 showdown at, at like 8.30 Central. Like, I, 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 my head was spinning on Saturday night. was not appreciated. We had staggered starts, too. So you were even like kind of in different places of the game as as Auburn and Clemson is hitting uh, a really really crucial moment at the same time you're over here and uh, Oklahoma's getting in its own way and they they're getting all these yards on Ohio State they're not being able to score and then oh yeah by the way we've got this Georgia Notre Dame game over here and oh my gosh look there's Sam Darnold he's back it was. It was too much to handle. It and was all far too much games, to handle. Too. Oh, yeah, for like, sure. It, it would have been nice if somebody would have just blown someone out, and then you can just sort of get that channel off your rotation. But no, that didn't, that didn't happen. So you had, to, you had to settle in and engage in all five or however many there were. Um, so, yes, I survived it. Thankfully, at this point, I've, I've been able to circle back and watch just about all of, of, all of those games. Um, and I, I think I'm ready – uh, to put my stamp on it. All right. Well, let me put you on the spot here. Um, what we're going to give out some awards here. What do you th- was the game of the night to you? And let's say from the angle of most impactful. Well, I, whew, you know, I think most impactful is probably what we saw in Columbus, mm-hmm. um, Oklahoma, Ohio State. Only because now I think we've got a almost a national. You know, college football playoff favorite. Like I think Oklahoma is, is suddenly you chip got to be f- starting to feel a little bit good, starting to count your money a little bit on that college football playoff pick for Oklahoma. Oh, don't forget it's a parlay. I got Baker Mayfield, Heisman, Lincoln Riley, coach of the year too. Hey, yeah, <laughs> those are all three starting to look pretty, pretty, pretty nice. Now the Heisman is going to be a battle because right. man, everyone was looking good in the Heisman last night, uh, but except for JT Barrett. But that was that that was that was a big big win for Oklahoma. I mean, obviously, uh, to go on the road and prove to college football that they, you know we better not overlook these guys. I've got uh, I've got a take a hot take from that. Uh, can I throw it at you? Bring it. 
I don't think Ohio State will fix these offensive issues, but I still think that the Buckeyes can win the Big Ten. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's going to have to be. I don't know. Do you let me? Do you believe that? That's your take. But is it so? Is it is it a, is it a, a hyper like a? Are you presenting a hot take? To, to rule on or is that a take you actually believe in? That's a take I actually believe in. Um, I just, you know, the, and here, here's what I'm thinking. Like, I think with it, with the exception of the Penn state game and Penn state's the wild card here with the exception of the Penn state game, what we've seen from Michigan, what we've seen uh, from a lot of teams elsewhere in the big 10, like I think that Ohio state might be able to just crossing route you to death, you know? And still be able to get by, but they couldn't. They couldn't at home last night or for Saturday night. It's going to be. It's so in the Big Ten. I, I still think Penn State is equipped to beat Ohio State, but if I'm not mistaken, that game is in Columbus. Uh, I think Michigan and Ohio State basically have the same issues. They don't yeah, have. I agree. Uh, they don't have a. I mean, they're basically mirror images at this point. Except, I mean, they do things a little differently. Uh, but I think they both have an Achilles heel at the quarterback position. Um, it's it, They can win it. I think they, they can win it. But it's going to be, man, it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be an interesting Big Ten race. Because even when they get into the Big Ten championship game, suddenly I think Wisconsin could could give them trouble. No longer, no longer Northwestern. No. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> oh man, that that was a that was a. I'm off the Northwestern train I'm, hard. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I wasn't out here with any uh, two. <laughs> I mean, I, I picked Northwestern to uh, to make some noise out there in the Big Ten West, but yeah, I've sold all my stock after they got just absolutely. Uh, I've got no award for it, man. They got pantsed by Duke, and I think Duke's pretty good, but that was bad. That was real yeah. bad. It was not competitive. No, that was <laughs> no, and it was really the. The biggest disappointment for me in North Northwestern is their defense. Their defense can't really stop anybody, and that was supposed. I was counting on their defense to be uh, pretty stout, and they just man, they can't stop anybody. Yeah, that was. But then the overhit, overhit, hit by three. <laughs> That's a money. That's a money maker. I think that uh, you hit four of five. We yeah. we will review this at the end of the week, but uh, a, a plus four week. Getting you to plus five overall, you are now the new leader in uh in our picks battle. Yep, yep. It's uh and we're still in the black collectively. We're still in the black, so um, you know, we're just gonna keep on plugging and making people money. Do you have any awards or hot takes from Ohio State, Oklahoma? I've got another question for you, but I don't want to um I don't want to deprive you of getting getting these takes off. Yeah, okay, I'll give you. All right, so there one hot take we sort of touched on it, but I think it's it's um it's worth sort of exploring is I'll, I'll give you two. One, there's nothing wrong with Ohio States. Oklahoma is just better. Mm. Like there's a, there's an immediate instinct to, to, to autopsy Ohio state and figure out, all right, man, what are they going to do at quarterback? Uh, they got to fix that or offensive line where it's, you know, why can't they block those guys or uh, no one could get open downfield and I think there's an there's an instinct there to to do that because Ohio State has such high expectations, but 
I think Oklahoma could just be really good. I mean, that's that's sort of the I guess in line with your okay. Oklahoma may not fix all these things. They may not be perfect, but they're still going to win the Big Ten. They may have just played a uh, a national champion. Yeah, I mean, they may have, and so. Um, I think Ohio. I think Ohio State has been held to such high expectations, and especially offensively, I think we we really expect that offense to evolve, and it it just hasn't. Um, that I wonder if that's worth considering. Like that, this is just a really really good Oklahoma team, and man, you got to give a cre- give hats off to Mike Stoops and that oh, defense, man. dude. There's their linebacker, their linebacker play is tremendous. I mean, Okoronkwo is the the star there, but I feel like that whole group was just flying around. Yeah, I mean they they uh, they they were so active, and the defense is the defensive secondary. I think was was you know they tackled really well. They they um, you know they didn't give J T Barrett an opportunity uh, to to make those plays down the field to kind of get himself in rhythm. Uh, I, I think they had a great game plan for Ohio State. And so, you know, Oklahoma could just be that good. Um, now, if we're pulling the, you know, the hot take meter out, I'm just going to, I'm going to probably too hot myself there <laughs> <laughs> because I don't, I do ultimately, I do think there's something wrong with Ohio state. And that leads me to my other hot take. Ohio state needs to bench JT Barrett. Oh, that's too hot. Burn the flag. Make it cooler. Too hot. That is too hot. <laughs> this one I actually do believe in. Do you? And, and so they, that offense is is predictable. Yeah. It's easy to defend. It's there's just not. It's the same. They had these problems last year. It's the same problems they had last year. He's the same quarterback that they had at the end of the season. And if this was JT Barrett and there was some true freshman behind him that just, you know, you didn't trust, then that's one thing. But Ohio State has a stable. Now, granted, the stable is 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 a little bit thinner now with, with uh, Joe Burrow's injury at quarterback. But Dwayne Haskins, I think, is a guy that is a, tr- is a redshirt freshman, would come in and give them a – totally new dimension down the field and then at least we can find out whether this is a receiver issue or this is a this is something else but I mean I I think their offense is very clearly out of sync I think uh that JT Barrett is he just doesn't look comfortable or in rhythm throwing the football anymore and I, I don't know if you're Ohio State if you can look there they still do have a chance to win the Big Ten uh, with JT Barrett, but I, I just feel like that there's a national championship upside, maybe with a Dwayne Haskins under center that they don't have right now with JT Barrett. You, I, I cannot see them winning a national title with JT Barrett. Wow. I mm, I think I think that's too hot. I just I, and I don't mean to go old school on this, but I I just I ask out loud, you know, what is the what is you know what is the 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 damage or the impact or is there any damage or impact of uh, benching your senior quarterback? You know, but he's been 
it's not like they haven't given him a chance. Like it's not like he's he's not getting a fair shake. And I I think and and here's to to just to sort of prove that I'm not being totally reactionary. I actually wrote about this in like maybe May or or I think like late May I wrote this. I said there's going to be this year calls you know, there's going to be serious unrest in Ohio, in Columbus about the quarterback position because, and it was after the spring game. It was, it was a piece following the spring game because in the spring game, JT Barrett was the same JT Barrett that we're used to seeing where he sort of struggled throwing the ball. I think he threw an interception. You know, he was just kind of average in the spring game. And then Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow both went in in the spring game and were just like launching it down the field and making big plays and the offense looked more explosive. And my, and my opinion was, look, Kevin, Kevin Wilson's going to come in. He likes to throw the ball down the field. They're going to try to get a vertical element to this passing game. And JT Bear's not going to be able to do it. And by mid year fans are going to be calling for the backup. And it's, I, you know, I feel like this could be the type of performance that, that starts to, to get those calls coming because if you think about it they may have scored a lot of points against indiana but even there they weren't able to really throw the ball downfield they they missed on one deep ball that paris campbell dropped who was wide open but beyond oh, yeah. that it was just all you know 10 yard underneath patterns that these guys the receivers turned into big plays so there's a there's a problem there of the downfield passing game and i, I don't think it's going to be solved under jt barrett all right so urban meyer in the postgame press conference took some ownership he said you know we've got to fix this you know he he acknowledged that uh and he even said in the first half on espn he said the offense is terrible um this is you know this is something that while it's going to be the calls among fans i think even the coaching staff is certainly considering it i think it's too hot but i think that no change is going to happen anytime soon because they're going to play army and like it doesn't matter if you're accurate throwing the ball down the field if your players are going to be able to get 10 yards of separation against Army's defensive backs, right? And then they're yeah. going to play UNLV, which is a bad UNLV team. They're going to get a lot of false hope in these next couple weeks that things have been fixed. Then it goes Rutgers, Maryland, Nebraska, all leading up to that Penn State game. Ah, man, I'm... I just think they can out-athlete so many teams without having to make a change at quarterback. I think they can. I think you're right. Like they might, they might not be able to win a national championship this year. Oh, an Ohio State team that many picked, that you picked to win the national championship. Like you could even add an asterisk to your prediction and say Ohio State can win the national championship as long as it's not with JT Barrett under quarterback. Like I, I get that for sure. I just. I don't know if they'll make that. How about this? I don't know if they will make that change. I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree with that. They're going to be very reluctant to make that change. In fact, I think someone asked Urban Meyer at the press conference after the game whether there was he was going to consider a change of the quarterback position. I think he just straight up said no. Yeah, absolutely so, not. So, it no, this is not a prediction that's going to happen. It's a it's a statement that I think it needs to happen. And I I did I I picked Ohio State in to win the national championship because I thought there was enough of a brain trust on this coaching staff to get this fixed. 
and to, to develop JT Barrett this offseason. And I should know that's a, that's just a, there was a I think that was a assumption that clearly was was misguided because a quarterback is to a certain extent what he is like a quarterback from an accuracy standpoint. Typically, a quarterback's either accurate or not. And JT Barrett's proven he's not beyond 10 or 15 yards. And uh, I think that this is, you know, now we're, you know, we're, 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 we're finding that out. And I, so I, I regret that pick. Um, I do still think they can make the playoffs, even with JT Barrett. I just don't see them winning a national championship. Um, I have one more award for the Oklahoma Ohio State game. Ooh, nice. Uh, Best newcomer, collective newcomer performance in college football. Because when you looked at Oklahoma's roster, the guys making plays for them, meaningful big-time plays. Trey Sermon at running back. CD Lamb at receiver. <laughs> Kenneth Murray at Mike Linebacker. Robert Barnes at safety. And Jeff Bidette, a, tr- a graduate transfer from Kentucky. Jeff Bidette looks freaking legit that guy looks like a big time talent at wide receiver and a guy that kentucky could certainly use but he like he he looks like i mean there were a couple plays when i, I thought i was seeing you know shades of dd westbrook i mean he was he was I, I was really impressed with the debt collectively i think and this is funny because it's it's tough considering all the yards and and knowing as good as oklahoma has been and maybe this is an on the cuff uh, take that might be a little too hot or too much of an overreaction, but I I think that collectively Oklahoma may have upgraded at the skill positions. Yeah, I mean you looked at you did get that feeling that there's all right who's going to make the play next? Uh, who's that? You felt like there was a lot of oppor- a lot of guys that can make plays. Now the running back position. Oh, I mean, Westbrook and Samaj P. Ryan's tough. You can't you can't say that. Uh, and Joe Mixon. Yeah, and Joe Mixon. Yeah. I mean that's uh, that's I I think at receiver they're 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 more than fine. I think that at running back, you know, I, I'm not ready to go there because that they had, particularly in, in Joe Mixon, who I thought was one of the best backs in college football. They're uh, they're they're not quite there, but man, at receiver, yeah, absolutely. I think they've got a ton of really good options to throw the football to. And man, how good! I mean, Baker Mayfield, when you can extend plays and and dance around and improvise a little bit in the backfield and you got those kind of athletes to throw to what do you do as a defensive back i mean there's nothing there's how do you defend that so they they looked sharp in that regard oh uh, and uh calcutta calcaretta the true freshman that came in calcaterra Calcaterra. yeah Yeah. dude coming in for uh mark andrews which by the way that's awful i I assume that was a a major injury or at least one that's going to be certainly significant but uh but man, and then but yeah. to your point, I mean, if I mean, you lose Mark Andrews and you bring in Grant Calcaterra, and you don't, you don't really even seem to miss a beat. Oh yeah, and, Calcaterra was fired up too. He was in there making big <laughs> grabs. He was ready to go. Oh man, there's like, and I, I am not in Norman. Um, one of my good friends, Brooke Pryor, is is there writing for the Oklahoman right now, and and we've had some fun uh, exchanging messages, trying to get some some reports. Uh, she does a good job. Follow her on Twitter, but uh, like. I, I'm I'm gonna ask this week and I wonder as I wonder aloud here, like there's gotta be something to all the cheesy, you know, sports cliches and the forced narratives that we get, but that like 
Baker Mayfield's energy and his attitude like infects the rest of that locker room. Yeah, he he's I I love watching him. Yeah, he's so, he's so it's good. so genuine. Yeah. His, his emotion and passion is so genuine and I would hate his guts if I was playing against him. And I would even kind of be a little bit I'm the type of person that would probably be a little bit like uh I'd roll my eyes at him a little bit if I played with him, but I'd love him too. Like I that guy brings so much energy and you could totally see at one point Kirk Herbstreet uh, or, or Fowler or one of the two said, you know, this is he'd be doing the same thing if they're in a sandlot, not in front of you know, 100,000. And it's so true. Like he's just that's the way he's wired and they feed off him. And man, it was just he's he's fun to watch compete. Um, all right. You uh, you ready to take this to USC Stanford? I want to get it launched with a Stanford take. Yeah, yeah, I am. What last thing on OU, man, speaking of, you know, with all those freshmen playing, Lincoln Riley coming up, Kyler Murray in the back at the backup spot. Like in terms of just like a long term stock to buy, I'm I'm I am absolutely like putting my life savings in Oklahoma right now. Like they're they're about to that's about to be a stock that just shoots through the roof to me. As as long as you know Lincoln Riley didn't let the wheels fall off, they they seem to have it all together. They're not like they they are going to have some seasons and some years where. You know they get upset in a high profile way, or they they lose in a bad game, or there's an injury. But I I just don't expect anything less than nine and three for like the next five to six years. Shoot, ten and two. Yeah, they, oh, I mean the Big Twelve. I mean, the Big Twelve looked improved over the weekend uh, significantly, but uh, they're going to be. I mean they they look like a powerhouse. Um. All right. I think that. The most significant loss for the Stanford Cardinal is not Christian McCaffrey, like so many have said, but defensive lineman Solomon Thomas. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you on that. Dude, Cardinal could not get a pass rush. Yeah. I'm not used was... to this. Like, it's a good secondary, and if they could only get paired with a good pass rush, this defense would be, like, would be fine. But I just I thought that... That was that was alarming for me and concerning in a big way for sure. Well, they got handled up front too in the run game, and that was probably the biggest misread on this on that game. It was the fact that there was an assumption. You know, I I picked Stanford because I thought that they'd be able to run the ball so effectively on USC, and they really were. I mean, they ran the ball pretty well, but there was an assumption that there was going to be the same old Sanford defensively. And that was the, that was the miss, the misdial. That was the miscalculation because they just weren't as physical up front. They got, they got pushed around and they got, um, you know, USC basically did what they wanted offensively. And I, and I think that that's where, you know, I agree. I think that's where Stanford's weakness right now is, is that defensive front, you know, defensive line really more than anything else. Um, so that's that is going to be something that Stanford's got to get fixed by the time they uh, host Washington and and I guess November. Oh my goodness! Uh, like that's that's a good Washington front. Yeah, and they can run the football and uh, yeah. So that's I, I, yeah. I mean Stanford for as for as fun as they are to watch on offense, um, they had they had a wake up call on defense. Uh, USC's back though, right? Like we're 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 all we're all on board with this. Yeah, 
yeah, I think so. In fact, one, <clears throat> I got a USC hot take. Let, let me hear that it. is that USC has the best backfield in college football. Agree. Yeah, not too hot. I mean, because you come in and like you're talking, you're thinking about Georgia and, and Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, and you're thinking about LSU with Darius Geis and all their their horses and and Penn State and I'm telling you, USC has two backs that you just you can't you can't breathe when they have the football. Try to catch it. Like you you know. <laughs> Every time they touch the ball, they may just take this thing eighty yards. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that. No, I I like the I like the uh, and of course you're talking about uh, noted uh, noted fanboys here for uh, Ronald Jones, but also Stephen Carr. Stephen Carr, man, that guy. I mean, he's you don't miss a beat when he's in the field. He, he's he's he looks like a, just another Ronald Jones. And uh, oh, by the way, this yeah. is this is f- 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 freshman Stephen Carr. True freshman Stephen Carr. <laughs> yeah, Dude, yeah. I, I like the you can't breathe when they're out there. That's it. That is a great. Uh, that's, that's a great way to describe a playmaker as, in college football. As, Just like as, <gasps> try to catch it. Oh no! <laughs> Especially when you when you want Stanford to cover six points. <laughs> like <laughs> when you're when you're just like looking for a stop to get a cover. And and they hand the ball to Ronald Jones or <gasps> Stephen Carr. You're like, uh, uh, and then sure enough, pops for forty. Like it's just, it's just. I mean, and and credit that offensive line who did move those guys around. And, and um, I think that offensive line is, is was pretty fun to watch. I, I really like the right tackle uh, to um, uh, to Doba. Um, I'm blanking on his last name for some reason. Um, anyways, but I I. I I, I thought that that was a really good, um, I mean, just a fun team to watch. All the all the Sam Darnold can do under center, and then for him to just be able to hand off to one of those two freaks is is they're gonna be they're gonna be tough to handle as they get settled in. Because I think that's a little bit Clay Helton's um, mo is just you kind of get they get better as the season progresses, and if if they keep on getting better, they're gonna be they're gonna be a handful. Is uh and Clay Helton, you know, line coach coming up for sure. That's that's going to be his. Uh... All right, so the the USC offensive line looked really good. Do we think that is USC offensive line and Stanford? Chuma Idoga, by the way, I just had to say it while I was thinking about that, that. Yeah, Chuma Idoga is that right tackle? They uh, that's that is not just a, a misread on Stanford's defensive front, but also a USC offensive line that we expect to be able to. Uh, gain that kind of advantage and whip teams in the trenches for for the most part for the rest of its schedule. They got some physical guys up there, and there's then they're guys that have have experience too. Like they don't, I don't know what they're how many returning starters they have technically, uh, but like they've got guys like uh, Chuma, who's who's played a lot of snaps, who's really talented, former like All American five star type guy. Uh, Toa Lobendon, who's played a lot of snaps but dealt with injuries. Vianney Talamaivaos, who's like also a guy that's that's I think played a lot of snaps, really physical guy. I mean, I, I just think across the board they've got bodies that are have been in some battles, and I, I I've got confidence in that unit. I, I I do, especially when you got a quarterback in Sam Darnold that has a little Roethlisberger in him, where if they do screw up, he can he he can erase the mistake from time to time. So 
Uh, yeah, I think USC, big, big sort of arrow up this week and just the way they came out and handled their business. And, and um, Vegas won that one. Vegas was way leveraged to the hilt on uh, on USC winning that game, and, and they came through. Mm. Um, any – let's see. Yeah. We're, uh, we're not send, sending – are we alarmed uh, about Stanford – uh, in a way where we're starting to reconsider them in the Pac-12 North, or are we still going to have some patience with this? I'm good to have patience with Stanford. Um, you know, the one thing, I, the one my takeaway from Stanford is that I think Keller Christ has been good enough. I didn't think that he was an issue, and that was a concern of mine coming into the year, is what could Keller Christ do? But he's, I think he's good enough. I think their offensive line is, is back to Stanford-level offensive line after taking a step back last year. Um, I just think they got to get some things fixed defensively. And they got to test next weekend. San Diego State could run the ball pretty well. And so that's that's going to be interesting to watch. But no, I mean, when you just look at their schedule, they got to go to Utah. Oregon looks like a tough matchup now. Uh, and then they got Washington at home. You know, I just think that they these are all games they can win. I mean, could they end up nine and three? Yeah. Could they go eight and four? I, I doubt it. Uh, so I, I I still like the Stanford team, and I still think that they they're going to be uh, North contenders. Um, do you have any takes or awards from Georgia Notre Dame? Are we still yeah, got, we still got to get to Clemson and Auburn too. All right, let's uh, let's do Georgia Notre Dame first. Uh, okay, I got a, an award for for grumpiest. Grumpster, Ooh. Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. <laughs> did you did you see his his post game press conference where he just went back to the old grumpy Brian Kelly where he you know got got salty with the reporter for basically asking just like you know how do you keep this from snowballing? Brian, okay. Um, obviously, you've made a ton of changes, changed the culture, everything. But obviously, you lost in at the very end, kind of like last year, seven of eight losses. How do you what, what's the question? What's the? I'm question? getting to it. Uh, well, get you, to the question. How do you keep this from snowballing? It's like not going to snowball. Year? Next question. Well, what is what exactly will be different? I, I guess there's nothing different. I, I go to work every day and I coach my football team. Okay. Is that is that good enough for you? Yes, I was just asking about the how it, it was different from last year's losing by one possession. Okay. Tonight was also like that, so I was just wondering. Losing by one possession? Yes. No, it was one point. Dog, I I watched the whole thing. Um, oh, you did? I, <laughs> just 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 out of like morbid curiosity, of what Brian Kelly would would look like after a loss like that? Oh, all eleven minutes. All right. So <laughs> if you and this is the thing is like Notre Dame is very good about making these uh, these press conferences available. They're they are on YouTube on the official school account, and I dropped in there. And he started super positive. All right, let me give you the let me give you the breakdown. So, like minute two, minute three, he's proud of his guys. You know, they really battled. He was, you know, upset that they uh, turned the ball over and they missed some opportunities. Uh, he thought Brandon Wimbush did all right. Uh, he credited Georgia's defense. And around six minute mark, he starts to get agitated. By the nine minute mark, his answers are very very short. And it's right at 11.03 that, uh, that Locke and Lippman comes in and asks the question. <laughs> like, I, I, it, was, it was slowly starting to unravel. His, 
face was getting redder. He was getting angrier. And it's like the beginning of the press conference is like good media training. I'm I'm the new, I'm a, a new, you know, new year, new me kind of thing. And by the end, he's just so grumpy. I try to put myself in his shoes and think like, does he have a right to be grumpy and just like, I think he does. Like, if that's what he wants to do, that's fine. Like, I think we're, you know, the, the reporters are, are adults and they don't, you know, if, if, if you want to act like that, then it's the looks on you. Like, uh, I don't think it was a terrible question. I don't think it was like, a, I don't have a problem with the question. So I think ideally you handle that a little bit better if you're Brian Kelly. But in, at this point, it's just sort of, that's just who Brian Kelly is. <clears throat> You know, and let's let's learn to let's learn to love it, man. I, I it's it's entertaining at the least, but it was I, I just thought that was uh, that was pretty. It was almost like a, a microcosm of the game. You know, yeah, things are going well. Things are going well. All right, let's 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 get out of this presser alive. Uh, nah. <laughs> just, and then just grump it out of there. I'm uh, uh, I, I thought that was my that. It, listen, um, I I was the least amount of imp- like with all the things that were going on and certainly uh, the Clemson Auburn game was low scoring too but I felt like I was enjoying Clemson Auburn more than I was enjoying Georgia Notre Dame yeah no Georgia Notre Dame was not an enjoyable experience at all <laughs> I don't think I don't think I can't imagine anyone a Georgia fan Notre Dame fan like I don't know who was like really enjoying that game uh it was but it was I don't know. I, I, I spent a lot of time watching that game in real time. Like that, that was one of my, my standards because I was fascinated by it. And Notre Dame controlled the game throughout. Like they had the lead most of the game, but you never really felt like they were going to win it. Georgia felt like the better team. And I'll, I'll, that leads me to my, my next award, which is biggest statement of the weekend, and it was by Georgia's defensive front. Uh, those guys, after Notre Dame threw rushed for over 400 yards against Temple, Georgia's defensive front held those guys to 55 yards rushing, one and a half yards a carry. That is, that's a a big time message to the rest of the SEC, and particularly the SEC East. I mean, that was those offensive linemen that they were that they were manhandling are, I mean, I, I thought it was the best offensive line of college football heading into the game. I may have to recalibrate now, but that for them to dominate those guys like that, and even, and then it, it was fitting the, the game ended with Davin Bellamy just whipping Mike McGlinchey, a uh, potential first round draft pick. He, he barely got hands on him for a, for a sack fumble to end the game. Uh, just a, I thought a phenomenal performance by Georgia's defense, and and I think you got to give Kirby Smart credit, got to give Mel, Mel Tucker credit. They, they, they totally controlled that defense. And when when Notre Dame was driving to try to win the game, or when they were driving to try to go up, you just had full confidence that Georgia was going to get a stop. And at the very least, like when when Notre Dame was trying to go up, they were going to hold them to a field goal. You just had no confidence that Notre Dame was going to finish the drive with a touchdown. And uh, I, I just think that's that's a defense built for some SEC battles this year. Yeah, that's that that is a uh, that is like a classic, nasty, filthy, strong, talented 
SEC championship caliber defense. I mean, yeah. like all over the place. Uh, Bellamy, Lorenzo Carter, Roquan Smith, like guys that we've been that you that you covered coming up through recruiting that you've scouted guys that we've been tracking who they're going to commit on signing day like uh the it's like the recruiting wins of the last couple years like that that moment when it all clicks in one season with one unit it's uh it's got to be rewarding for that for for a Georgia fan certainly and i know that the Georgia coaching staff this Georgia coaching staff didn't bring them all in but to have it all come together when you know that on paper that team and that defense uh, should be one of the best in the country, uh, to see them rise up against an offensive line like that, I was, I, I suddenly feel like that's a, that's a team that you know going through the schedule, you can make it to Atlanta running the ball and relying on your defense. Oh, sure, especially in that in, in that side of the the conference um and especially look i I thought jake Fromm once again didn't do anything to set the world on fire but if jake Fromm's a quarterback i think they're going to be just fine because he's a he's a true freshman with the the gumption to to just handle whatever's in front of him he's he can he can get them through the fires he can you know he can distribute the football he can take care of it he didn't make any. He didn't look like a freshman from a poise standpoint out there, and I think that's all you need in that sense. And so, uh, the run game. I think you got to credit Notre Dame's defense too. I mean, they they really shut down Georgia's run game as well. Uh, it was just a rock'em sock'em game, and uh, it's it's. I think that's a big big morality booster for Georgia, a big confidence booster heading into the, you know, to the the, the SEC slate coming up. So it, it I was impressed. Um, the, what do we think? Like, so Brian Kelly got the headlines from Notre Dame. What about Notre Dame's performance in this game? <clears throat> Disappointing. Man, hard, hard to, yeah, hard, hard to get a grip on just what, what to think of Notre Dame's performance. I don't know what they are. I don't know. I think Temple, I, I think Temple, I think I might've been giving Temple too much credit. You saying the win against Temple too much credit? Yeah, like I, I think I might have looked at Temple as being a tougher defensive team and better overall team. That that's one of my takeaways. As I look at this, I'm like, oh, maybe maybe my overreaction to Notre Dame's dominance on the ground against Temple was misplaced. Well, uh, yeah, <clears throat> and though look, they they could have very well. I, like I wonder had had Notre Dame gone down on their second to last drive and and scored a touchdown instead of a field goal and then that would have put them up by whatever Three. it was Three. Yeah, it would have put them up by like 6 right oh, instead yeah, of yeah, seven yeah. It's, it's or 6 instead of 1 or whatever it was or 2 um i'm, I'm butchering this but it, it bottom line is had they scored a touchdown instead of a field goal and then Georgia had to go down and score a touchdown and not a field goal and they and they were able to get the stop because I, I didn't feel like either team was going to score. They were just sort of they were, they were good enough to drive and, and get field goals. But bottom line, if Notre Dame wins this game, which they were very close to doing, how does our opinion of them change? Um, do you think if, if if Notre Dame wins that game against Georgia, would do you sit here today and think, all right, Notre Dame's Notre Dame's kind of back? Mm, good call. I'm not saying they're back, but I've been like, man, that's a great George defense, and they found a way. 
right. Yeah. I think I would too. Uh, and and so it's it, it kind of goes back to the press conference and that question. Like I think it's a fair question. Is like the all Notre Dame is now is 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 how are they going to respond to this? How are they going to keep this from becoming their identity again? Or uh, you know, or are they just going to see ghosts from last year where they lost all these these one possession games? Um, so I think I don't. We don't know what Notre Dame is. I think they're they're, they're like last year and that they're probably good enough to beat every team on their schedule, and they're good enough to lose to most of the teams on their schedule. And I th- I thought one one takeaway I had from the Notre Dame game was that Brandon Wimbush, while good, is not a guy that's ready yet to like put a team on his back. He's he's not that dude. He's not a you know, he's not a first round draft pick yet kind of guy. Um, and so that was, and I don't know that he looked like that necessarily in, in against Temple, but I think we got another dose of reality that while this is kids good enough to win a lot of football games, like don't, don't crown him just yet. Well, the, uh, did you see all the, obviously the, the Georgia fans rolling deep, rolling real deep. In, uh, yeah. in Notre Dame Stadium. Is that, yeah. su- that surprising? Yeah, a little bit, I guess. I, 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 I've, I mean, I know Notre Dame's kind of got a little bit of an overrated fan base. Like, they've, they're, they're, uh, they're not super – it's not a wild atmosphere in that stadium, but I'd figure they'd at least buy up tickets. <laughs> I, I, I just looked at it, and I saw the Georgia fans, and I couldn't help but think that a good number of them, if they were smart – they got those tickets with SeatGeek because buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated. Uh, you want to make sure you get the best deal. You want to make sure uh, that you don't get ripped off, that you don't get a ticket broker that's going to sell short and all of a sudden you're out of a ticket. You need to have that guarantee. And that's why I hope those Georgia fans and I hope that you uh, use SeatGeek because Here's the deal. SeatGeek saves you time and money because they search multiple ticket sites, they compare prices, and they find you amazing deals. So they grade every single ticket based on value and help you immediately find the best seats that fit your budget. And again, this is when it goes back to making sure you you get a, a fully guaranteed deal. Well, every SeatGeek purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. So make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports. You can do it for concerts. You can do it for comedy. You can do it for theater. And right now, you can get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And here's how you do it. Just download the SeatGeek app on your phone and enter the promo code SEC today. That's promo code SEC for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. If you were a smart Georgia fan, you got your tickets to the Notre Dame game on SeatGeek. And if you were a smart Georgia fan who was even smarter for listening to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, you got $20 off that SeatGeek purchase by entering the promo code SEC. So go ahead and do that today. Download the, pro- download the SeatGeek app, promo code SEC. Uh, a master, masterful pro segue there. Thanks. Good as, stuff. As as soon as uh, it's it's the combination of uh, you know recognizing the talking point and understanding you know when this is when this makes sense. To, a lot of moving parts there. Like people don't understand. A lot of moving parts. <laughs> you know, that was a lot of thinking on the fly. Like, well done. Um, the uh, let's let's go Auburn Clemson. Yeah, 
Yeah, I got some. I got some thoughts. You got some thoughts. Uh, yeah, you go first. Okay. Uh, Clemson's offense will not face a defensive. Will only face a defensive line that tough once before the playoff, and it will be at home against Florida State. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, if Florida State's even that good. I mean, that was that def- Auburn was awesome defensively. Right. And I mean that like as a as a as a hotness like to to credit Auburn and to uh, predict that Clemson might have just jumped over one of its toughest hurdles of the season. No question, no question. That 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 was. Um, I mean, I knew that Auburn was good defensively, but I think and I kind of expected them to be this good defensively. But it was just it was just fun to watch it. It was just. Those are just two unbelievable defenses that we're, we're battling. Um, I think this is sort of a hot take, I guess, but I, I think Jeffrey Holland was as impressive a defender as I saw anywhere over the weekend. Uh, oh, him the, as an uh, edge you, presence. You mean the red light Auburn. district? The what? I call, <laughs> call him the red light district. <laughs> I like it. Thanks. Yes. The, the red light district was awesome. I loved watching him play. Um, they, I mean, if you looked at the way, first of all, yeah, I mean, I, I'll, this sort of leads me into some of my other thoughts and my other like hot takes. But, but yeah, I thought that, I thought that that Auburn defense was as impressive of a unit as as there was in college football over the weekend, and and I'll take it back to the Auburn and Florida State game too. I mean, I, I thought that those. It, there, there was, there's a lot of really good defenses in college football, so I'll, I'll say that. But man, Auburn is as good as any of them. That's uh, that is a, a like an Auburn team that has fans concerned right now about the offensive side of the ball. Jarrett Stidham is not fairy dust, and Cam Petway, though I think he's got the body to carry the ball 40 times a game. I think that'll be good enough. But like when Brandon Marcello was tell, talking to us about Jarrett Stidham holding on to the ball that too long, I felt like that was I was uh I was too tuned into that. And I would see him trying to escape pressure. Oh no. Oh no. Like of the eleven sacks, I'd say at least three are on him. Yeah, I've got it I have a take on this. So I've got to here's my here's my award. My award is the the Bobby Brown Deadbeat Dad Award. It goes to <laughs> Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn, the protector, the father, the you know, the the provider for Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham came to Gus Malzahn and Gus Malzahn took him in and said, Listen, man, we're gonna put you in a position to be successful. You're gonna be our quarterback. We're gonna uh, you know, we're going to put you in an offense that really allows you to make use of your talents. And then big game comes and, and Stidham is out there alone, abandoned. I thought the, the game plan that Auburn put together was woefully unimpressive. Like there, when you looked at uh, like a lot of those sacks, I'll give it to you. So he, this is the, the reason I've got a, a perspective on this. So I, I was able to get – some of the with, with CBS for some of the SEC games, we're able to get some uh, like coaches copy, like all 22 type film. And I'm sitting there looking at this film and 
you got like two receiver routes and three receiver routes where the guy that the receiver that's not getting the football is is un is is not dialed in you've got like a bunch of like deep breaking routes that he doesn't have time for and if you looked at the way Clemson it's a great example like Clemson didn't shut the world on fire on offense but they could put Kelly Bryant in a position to be successful with like he was when he was throwing the ball he was getting the ball out quick like it was three step five step get it out and there were there were receivers open they were they were scheming guys open on underneath routes on on outside routes they when you look at what like the way Hunter Renfro was able to find some space like those they would set him up with route combinations that allowed him to get open and allowed Kelly Bryant to have easy throws that wasn't there for Auburn all night long it was these deep like limited options routes and I think their whole system is like is built around him being Cam Newton it's built around a defense needing to like totally stack the box to stop a running quarterback and and then you get the 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 chunk play as a as a play action as a response and and that's not Jared Stidham Jared Stidham isn't keeping defenses honest with his legs he's athletic but they're not he he's not a run game quarterback or at least they're not treating him like one, and and I think the result is, I, I I one of my biggest takeaways is I just thought Gus Malzahn got out coached like badly out coached, and I thought that Jarrett Stidham was not put in a position to be successful because there's a bunch of those plays where it looks like oh this guy is unsure he's holding the ball too long, but you look up and you look at what actually happened downfield and there's nowhere for him to go with the football. Bad and. You know, and so I just I was I, I they got to get that fixed, and I I think that's on Gus Malzahn. Mm. The Bobby Brown Deadbeat Dad Award, heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think that the the, uh, the the confidence for like Clemson's Clemson Louisville coming up this week, we will definitely be spending time uh, previewing that game later in the week. But I I look at this game, I I look at that team, and uh, even as dangerous as Lamar Jackson has been, and I, I just think that this is a like the the hurdles that Clemson has to get back to the college football playoff. It it just none of them seem as imposing as that Auburn one, and just them getting out with the win just seems so huge. So I I, I picked Auburn in the college football playoffs, and going into the season. Among my picks of Alabama, Ohio State, Washington, Clemson, Clemson, the preseason felt like one of the bigger projections because you got to, you know, you don't know what quarterback's going to look like. You know, how are they going to reload on defense? Uh, offensively, they lost, you know, all those reasons. After this week, and I know they only scored 14 points there, and certainly it helps that DeAndre Francois is out for Florida State. There, I, I am really confident. That's like my most confident pick. Uh, just because I felt like they looked so good, and I'll 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 let that lead me to another hot take. Brent Venables is the best coordinator in college football. Not defensive, not offensive, Ooh. not head coach. He's the best coordinator in college football. More than Don Brown? Yeah. Mm. Now I'm not. Look, that's not Don Brown's awesome, but Venables. If you think of what he's done, I know, I know. That's he, that in, group is ridiculous. Reloading. Over and over again, and they lose their whole defense to 
the NFL, and then they reload. The whole, whole defense in the NFL, they reload. Oh, yeah, this and goes then, back to, like, Grady Jarrett and Vic Beasley. Like, this has yeah. been a line of monsters that is five seasons now deep since he came over from Oklahoma. And you remember, I mean, it, it, do you remember that, like, this Clemson team is this, like, Davos Sweeney had a team that gave up, what was it, like 70-something to, to West Virginia? It was 70. And then... And then, uh, and then Brent Venables comes in and just they they're suddenly one of the surest bets in college football. They're going to have an, an elite defense, and they just were. It, it it was like he was one step ahead of Malzahn all game long. Like they were, they were. You, you remember that like flea flicker, uh, re, like double reverse flea flicker, and uh, and Clemson was just all over it <laughs> yes. on the back end. Yeah. It was like I mean that that was just. That should have been a big play opportunity. They couldn't even get a throw off, and it was well executed. They they couldn't even get a throw off because the DBs were just all over it. I just think they're so disciplined and and fundamentally sound and also athletic. They just man, I'm just so impressed by what Brent Venables does on defense. It's such a nasty group, and they're like there are uh, like they as they continue to reload. It's not only on the defensive line; it's all over the place. They're yeah, I mean. The you you lose Ben Bulware and boom like you you got dudes that are ready to go right now. Let's I've been waiting for this moment for two seasons. Let's step up. Yeah, I mean it's 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 Alabama ish. Only they're doing it even with I mean Alabama's doing it by recruiting and I, I'll just take nothing away from Alabama. This is amazing what they've done too. But they're backfilling five stars after five stars and Clemson's got their fair share of five and four star guys, but they. They're not. They don't have the embarrassment of riches that Alabama has. They they also hit on some really good evaluations. They hit on a Ben Bulware type, um, you know. And I, I don't know that there's a bunch of, you know, on their back end, linebacker and defensive back. I don't know that, like the average college football fan could name all those guys. Oh no, because they, they're, they're out there the, flying around. Those are the guys that were like three and four stars with most of. All right, so like Kendall Joseph shows up. That's a guy that, uh, you know, I think that you know, people are used to seeing 34, 34 flying around. But, like, I mean, Trey Lamar, Judah Davis, Dorian O'Daniel, everybody knows these guys. Yeah, they're about to. They, uh, they're, they, they do that. Uh, they, they probably do evaluation um, and development as well as anybody. And I guess that does go back to your, to your take. Brent Venables. Yeah, he, he's leading the way on defense. I mean, Dabo Sweeney, give him all the credit in the world for the offense and certainly you know let him let him take a little of the shine for the defense. But Brent Venables, he's the CEO of defense over there. So uh, I, you got to give him credit. So I, I just I couldn't be more impressed with Brent Venables. Um, I, I've got an award. I've got a, a couple awards left, three awards left. I haven't. Uh, I haven't gotten to to give out some awards, but they're uh, they're kind of more quick hit. Do you have anything else on Auburn Clemson? Uh, no. All right. Best new artist. These have uh some of them a musical team to them. Best <laughs> best new artist, Wisconsin running back Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Did you know this boy was going to be this good, Barton? Four star for twenty four seven sports. Mm. Like I think he's like the all time leading rusher in New Jersey or something. He he's he is uh. He was one we had higher than everyone else, uh, so I'll, I'll, 
I'll feel good about that one. But yeah, he's he's the next guy at Wisconsin. He had like 181 yards in the first half. 223 by the end of the game um yeah, wisconsin's gonna be a, and like and this is as we're watching iowa struggle with iowa state northwestern getting beat up on by duke the wisconsin path to the big 10 title game looks wide open to me yeah yeah just another just another ho-hum year of wisconsin running down people's throats <laughs> <laughs> you know i've yeah. got an i've got a uh, runner-up for that award though all right thomas graham at oregon Oh my goodness! See what he did this weekend. Um, the defensive back, had, right? Yeah, he had he had two interceptions. He had basically a pass breakup that led to a third interception. He dropped what would have been what you know. He dropped what would have been another interception. Uh, he had seven tackles. He had a tackle for loss. Uh, just all over the place for Oregon, and the, uh, as they cruised against Nebraska, he's one of like four true freshmen that are really making a big impact for for Oregon that's another team similar to to Oklahoma if you're looking for some for some value opportunities in the stock market go load up on some Oregon shares because they are I mean they are looking like the Oregon we're we're sort of used to seeing they're playing with energy they had a, a lot of pace on offense and defensively those young guys look like they're legit uh you know there's that the seasonal wear on them, uh, they're not going to win the North just yet, but they're going to give some people some problems. They swag surfing. They, uh, I, need to get, I need to get into uh, – that, that's one game I haven't gotten to go back. I'm going to get it on the replay. What, what, what should I keep an eye on? I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. I mean, it, there's, a lot, there's a lot. I mean, I think, first of all, Royce Freeman is like the same old tankies that he's been. Um, he's he is because letting he's letting Nebraska come back is alarming, you know. Like tracking that game throughout the day and keeping up with it uh, on the score tracker and trying to flip over when I can. I think there was a a small period, like I was I was low on low on action there for uh, like twenty minutes. I was able to get over, but it was in the first half. Like was Nebraska's comeback more Nebraska or Oregon? I felt like Oregon. I mean, Nebraska had a couple quick scores in the third quarter that just that sort of changed the complexion, made a 42-28 right away, and then all of a sudden you just got a game like the rest of the half. It's just like a, it's a game, and and I think Oregon slowed the pace down in the second half, ran the football. They they didn't really try to. That that's the one difference in between this Oregon team and like the Chip Kelly Oregon teams is that those Oregon teams would when they were up by. You know, 35, they'd go out there and try to beat you by 70. Like, they would put the foot to the gas. And Oregon, I think, changed their mentality just to just sort of grind the ball, win the game. And there, in the, in the first half, it was like pedal to the metal, pace. Uh, Justin Herbert looked awesome. Uh, but again, I think the biggest takeaway is that that defense was, was really good. I mean, Nebraska moved the ball some. But they made some big plays when they needed to. Uh, or Oregon is going to be an entertaining team to watch. Um, I'm going for the uh, look what you made me do. Taylor Swift heartbreaker revenge award to Brandon Harris, who is out here yeah. throwing dimes in the ESPN nationally televised noon slate. North Carolina's defense uh, among the most shredded in the entire country right now, I think in yards per play and total yards per game, they're like 126th and 125th. 
Um, they have been carved up by Cal, carved up by Louisville, and there were some certainly a lot of mistakes in this game by North Carolina, but they were in it, and Brandon Harris was a part of it there for a little bit. I, I that was another that was one of those games where I was like a flip back game for me, so I didn't I didn't see it in its entirety, but I would just watch bits and pieces of it, and it was I was like I'm really happy for Brandon Harris <laughs> to get in there and make some plays, like and and have a game, and I I really did think he was going to work out in this offense, and maybe he and it looks like maybe he's going to. Uh, but it just it fits him a lot better, and I felt like if he got his feet under him and, and settled, he, he could be good in this offense. And I think we we finally got a flash of that, um, but all for not, <laughs> you know, they still they still lose the game. Is North Carolina like going to? Is North Carolina about to look like Texas Tech this year? I I don't have any like this was a team when when Fernelli got on and, and mentioned you know he had to. He had his quota of like dark horse teams <laughs> yeah, for every conference, right. and he had to throw North Carolina in there, and and he had to sort of like talk himself into being excited about them. I I was having a hard time with with getting on board with it because I didn't I don't I did not think they were going to be good this year, and I had Louisville laying points, and I I just when you look at cr- the schedule, I mean I just I don't I think they're going to have a hard time getting to a bowl this year. Yeah. They they needed the Cal game for the bowl math. I think a lot of people had Louisville definitely chucked up as a loss. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. A, a, a runner up to the award you just said, or maybe a, you know that maybe this is the Arthur Ashe Courage Award or something, but uh, I'm going to go with uh, Shane Morris at Central Michigan, <laughs> who the, the former Mich- beleaguered Michigan quarterback – who had, you know, famously, had, you know, played through a concussion under uh, Brady Hoke, who was a former highly touted top 100 recruits that just gets absolutely crushed by opposing fan bases and Michigan fans alike for not living up to expectations. He transfers, grad transfer to Central Michigan. They go down to a. Uh, an up, you know, an improved Kansas team in Lawrence and win, and he throws for four twenty-seven, I think, what? and five touchdowns, uh, no interceptions, just a, uh, just fun to see that kid battle through it, and and you know they may not win another game, but he, they're two and zero with a get with a win over Kansas and Rhode Island, and he's got like eight touchdowns to one interception, and and has thrown for about 800 yards. So uh, I, I was I was excited for Shane Morris to see him buck back and, and, and have a good game. Speaking of the Mac, how about my award for Battle Rapper of the Year for James Franklin? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to bring that one up. <laughs> he said uh, for them, talking about Pittsburgh, beating us last year was like their Super Bowl. For us, this was just <laughs> like beating Akron. Oh, so great. (laughs) So great. That's, that's just, you know, I think at times James Franklin at at Penn state has tried to be, um, a little bit more between the lines, like tried to be a little bit more boring, um, you know, relative cause I saw him up close at Vanderbilt and it was, he was very much, uh, sort of a, instigator at Vanderbilt and just sort of they had to 
they had to bully their way into every fight, you know, and just make sure that everyone knew they were there. So he, I, you know, we lost a little bit of this side of them. I'm, I'm so happy to see it rear its head. And the other thing about this is it's a great, it really is a, a true statement to that game and that series this year in the sense that that game was Penn State was going to win that game the entire game. Yeah. You don't have any more any more sense that they were going to lose it as you did that they were going to lose to Akron. Like, it was just, look, they, Pitt basically make a few plays, but Penn State's not going to lose this game. And I think that that's, that says a lot about where Penn State is right now this season and, and that they can, you know, they don't have to blow the doors off for them to still look in total control and and take care of a, a team that beat them last year. So I I, I was I loved that <laughs> I loved seeing that statement. I thought it was great. Didn't uh, Pittsburgh didn't score a touchdown until the fourth quarter, and Penn State missed the cover by a field goal. Like that was the only thing that was in question was the cover watch from the right. get go. Um, right. Really really impressive win by Penn State. Uh, are we concerned about? I was thinking about calling him Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. I just, you know, at this point, I just want to say, like, we're, we're, I'm not, I'm not ready to say anything about Wilton Spate, right? Like, it's, it's not the Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde award. It's the, uh, it's, it's, oh, it's another hold your breath, but in the bad way. <laughs> Try to catch it. Right, right. The other hold your breath award. Yeah. I. Thirty six fourteen against Cincinnati. Um. Yeah, I don't. This is this was a game where the 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 score like the box score looks good, I guess, because they held them to two hundred yards and you know outgained them by two hundred yards. The scoreboard looks better because of two pick sixes. Like, is this is this just what we're gonna do with Michigan this year? You know, this is this is a problem. Like, this is a very this is a problem. I've been talking about it, and this is going to be something that Michigan's got to get fixed if they want to play for the type type of meaningful games they're going to play for. This Cincinnati team was outgained the week prior by an Austin P team that has won one game in their last like 48 tries. Like this Cincinnati is probably more this team than they were that Austin P game, but still like you got to I mean Austin P had 20 first downs against Cincinnati. 20 and and I don't know how many Michigan had, but I mean it's it's they're they're not doing with these teams what they need what they need to be offensively, defensively a different story, but offensively they're just it's they're they're running in quicksand right now. Um, Michigan had 16 first downs. So Austin P had more first downs against Cincinnati than Michigan did. Let that sh- <laughs> let that stuff sink in. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um, all right. The let's see. What do you have? You got an award or a take? How about how about um, hottest seat? Who has got the hottest seat right now? Um, I mean, it's it's, it's Kevin Sumlin. Yeah. That's the answer. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was, I was, uh, I was like, is he going to go contrarian on this one? Like, <laughs> no. Well, I mean, there's other guys whose seats are warming up and who's warmed up this weekend. Rich Rodriguez, uh, Arizona lost to Houston. Todd Graham, Arizona State lost to San Diego State. Gary Anderson, who's continuing to make my opening week 
tweet look like the my dumbest tweet of the week of the year so far gets that they got pummeled this weekend by Minnesota, who you know team that barely beat Buffalo. So I mean, Gary, we expected Oregon State to be improved. They're they're just not. I don't I don't realistically think Gary Anderson is anywhere close to getting fired right now. But uh, this is not going the way we you know expected it to, or I, I don't know the way I expected it to. But ultimately, there's only one. There's only one man for this award. It's Kevin uh, Sumlin. Kevin Sumlin. After that, just horrible second half against UCLA. They almost lose to Nickel State. They, they're, I think they're, I think they're outgained in the fourth quarter at one point, and t- score was tied, and they get the I think ten point win at the end of the day, but just not, not a very inspiring performance coming off that UCLA loss. Mm-mm. Uh, how about the bad house guest award for TCU for going into Arkansas's house and just whooping them? In the trenches. Like, if you were to say one team's going to come and out-physical the other in TCU-Arkansas, you pick Arkansas every time. I was, I yeah. thought TCU's win was as impressive as, like, some of the wins in the headliner games. In terms of me, like, and you, listen, you were on TCU since July. Like, you've been there since the preseason. I was thoroughly impressed. They got it done, and it wasn't like a, a Kenny Hill light-it-up type game. They were running the football their defense was great. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I was that. That to me was like, oh wow, TCU might be the third best team in the Big Twelve. Well, because TCU had gotten into these this basketball and grass stuff where they got to outscore everybody, and then you start to lose faith in in this team, foundationally speaking. And and now, you know, now we get reminded that Gary Patterson's a a really good defensive coach. And if defense is going to carry them, if that defense is going to play that well, then I think that that changes the game. And it's, you know, now all of a sudden, I think you don't have to rely on Kenny Hill to throw for 300 yards and rush for 100 or something. I mean, it's now all of a sudden, you know, you can lean on a run game where they got some really good options. They've got some, they got an offensive line that looked really physical. Uh, And I think that was. I'm not going to act like I had a great pulse, feel for the pulse on, on sort of who TCU was, even from a personnel standpoint. I mean, a lot of these names I know, but I I was just betting on Gary Patterson when I thought this team would be good. And, uh, you know, through two weeks, I, I, I it looks like Gary Patterson is sort of back in that sense. Do you, um, do you look at Brett Bielema as another player that might be uh, – not another player, another coach that might be on that seat heating up situation? He's a, you know, he's a, the, the seat, you know, they got the, the light to the Bunsen burner or something, you know, like it's, it's not, it's not, I, I think he, I think he's going to make it through this year. I, I would be shocked if Brett Bielema is in serious jeopardy this year. And some of that's got to be Arkansas, right? Like just Arkansas knowing that it has a very good, like Arkansas has to know, like the, the decision makers need to know that Brett Bielema is a very good football coach, but the current state of the Razorbacks uh, does not make it look like we are going to see them cycle up to a nine and 10 win season anytime soon. No, no. I, I think this is a year that, that determines what, you know, his, his heat level is next year. Um, in the sense that he could be on the hot seat next year. If things look bad this year, I just think that there's a, 
it just feels less discordant in in Fayetteville than than other places. Like it just feels like there's a little bit more. They're more. They're behind the program more. They understand the challenges of the SEC West. Um, you know, they. I, I just think Brett Bielema is is a guy that is still in control of the program. Now, if this thing goes goes south, because it, it certainly can. I mean, there's. I still think Mississippi State's really good. You know, LSU's going to be tough to beat. You know, there's Alabama and Auburn. Um, Ole Miss has still got the best passing attack in in the SEC, probably. So all those things are still there. And if they go one for in the in the SEC, then that's going to be a problem. But uh, I, I think that's a you know kind of wait and see situation. Uh, all right, I'm all out of awards and takes. What you, do you got anything? Uh, yeah, so we've already talked about Northwestern Duke a little bit, but I think Daniel Jones is, is my new future first-round draft pick. <laughs> in, in, in the Daniel Jones-Clayton Thorson battle, only one could emerge as a future first-round draft pick, and it was not going to be Clayton Thorson. No. I'm not totally off Clayton Thorson train. I think he's going to uh, – he's a redshirt junior. I think he'll be back as a redshirt senior. That what. Thorson wasn't the problem. My biggest problem with Northwestern is honestly is they they have no receivers that can really create separation and get open and make plays. But Daniel Jones is is a whole different deal because he is three hundred one hundred. He's out here putting up three hundred one hundred. He's athletic. Yeah, man, like he's really athletic and like a, in a in a very functional way like in a way that where yeah they can run the option with them to get big plays and he's he's big and strong and he can fall forward for first downs but he's also when he's when he's just in the pocket he looks like a pocket passer he could he he moves like a pocket passer he's he doesn't bail he's not looking to use like he's just used his legs when when necessary and I, I i was just so impressed with him um he's he's effortless as a thrower He's got David Cutcliffe uh, working with him. He's going to continue to develop. He's what a redshirt sophomore this year. I mean, I I guess I wouldn't necessarily expect him to come out this year, but I just I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to really catch a lot of buzz, NFL draft wise. And I I, I mean I, I actually believe this. I, I really think that it might be next year, but I, I think that he is legit a, a future first round draft pick from a potential standpoint. Now. That I haven't seen a lot of them. That was my first real glimpse of them. So, you know, I I, I withhold the right to change this if I watch them next week against uh, Baylor and he's horrible. But oh my God! There's no way. There's the <laughs> Baylor's so bad. There's no way. I think Duke Duke's about to beat Northwestern and Baylor and have a ton of juice heading into the conference schedule. Three teams that are like fell off the cliff. East <laughs> Carolina. How'd they get to be so bad? <sighs> Baylor, how'd they get to be so bad? And Georgia Southern, how'd they get to be so bad? They lost to New Hampshire this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, just disappointing. But but Baylor, I still believe in Baylor long term. That's a penny stock for you guys to pick up on right now. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, but I, I yeah, that's that was ugly. Um, let me see. The, the only other take I have, uh, well, I have two more quick ones. One worst top twenty-five game of the weekend Boise State Washington that was that was as exciting and Pac-12 after dark as it was supposed to be like that was just I was ready for bed oh like come on guys like someone make a like make a good football play here and finish this game off instead of just like it was just it just looked poorly played I have I had Washington State in my top 25 
before the the game. They're they're out with a loss. I is one of those like I just I was just down on those games. Um, and then my last one, which is a hot take, Wake Forest will beat Florida State or Louisville. Oh yeah, feed it to me. I'm ready. <laughs> I am ready for it. Uh, John Walford, healthy, looking good, out here. Year four of Dave Clawson. Mm-hmm. He, this is what he does. This is what he does. He's going to get them to. Uh, what would it be like? Could they get to nine and three this year? Eighty-eight and four, maybe nine and nine and four. I guess. Oh, how so about this? To, Can I add a team to uh, to yeah. your list? What NC State. Do, ooh, no. What about Notre Dame? Oh, that would be tricky. That's 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 yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they could they could maybe beat them. They but, but they like, get they get Florida State at home. That's a that, and Florida State always plays them bad. Yeah, like they always are sleepwalking in that game, and um, so that's I mean that Florida State better not overlook that one. This is gonna he's gonna go nine and four. Dave Claus is gonna go nine and four, and then he's gonna get just like he does in his entire career. He's gonna go the next like incremental step up to the next job, which would be like. I don't know. It would be like it would be like NC State or something, you know, like like go from Wake to NC State, and and he'll get that job, and then they'll you know they'll slowly get better, and then someday he'll be the head coach at Alabama um, in like twenty <laughs> years, <laughs> like after like four more job changes, he'll be the head coach at, at Alabama. Oh, uh, future Alabama coach Dave Clawson taking the Demon Deacons on a roll. In 2017, you heard it first. To Richmond, to Bowling Green, to Wake, to, you know. Ooh, what about uh, Tennessee? Tennessee, God, that would be, that would be, there's no no way they'd let it happen because he had a, he had a one-year stop in Tennessee as Derek Dooley's OC and, or no, it was, it was Fulmer's OC, I guess. I think so. And, uh. And t- t- he's he's not well he's not well regarded in Knoxville. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that'll work out. But I, yeah, it's just it's just I mean, year four. They're better. They're experienced. Uh, Wake Forest is is look. You're gonna score 34 on on BC. That 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 deserves a shout out. Absolutely. Um, all right, I'm all cleaned out. This is good. This is fun. I Barton, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, man, we'll see you on Wednesday. Wednesday!